But what we mean by mystery, it is this belongs to the infinite, hidden counsel of God within himself. Hey, welcome to Every Knee Shall Bow, your seasonal Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. My name is Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am joined today by Dave a la carte Van Bickle. How you doing, Dave? <laughs> a la carte, just come and take it, whatever you want. It's all yours. <laughs> Food and beverage on demand. That's what we're talking about here. You will feed us. I got that because uh, I was looking at the menu in this hotel that I'm in. That's where that came from. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, it's... Uh, you know, you're like living it up in Florida working and I'm here in the frozen tundra of Pittsburgh. <laughs> it's terrible, terrible, terrible. My wife, my wife is so funny. So my flight, I had to take two flights. United doesn't fly direct to Myrtle Beach. And okay. I'm doing a priest convocation for the Diocese of Charleston. And they said, uh, they're like, okay, we want to buy your flights for you. And we want you to get first class seats. I'm like, holy crap, this is awesome. Yeah. And awesome. Uh, so, right. but then I say, but I got to be a little picky here. And I already, I feel so guilty. And I'm like, yeah, of I'm, course. I'm really appreciative, but I only fly United. And they're like, yeah. okay. So then they run the flights and they're like, well, it doesn't fly direct to, or it doesn't fly direct to Myrtle Beach, but it doesn't fly to Myrtle Beach at all. And I'm like, oh man, it's like only American does. I said, but don't <laughs> worry about it. We'll buy you the United to and from Charleston. And then you'll just take a hopper on American to, uh, to Myrtle beach. And I, this felt, is amazing. This is amazing. Listen, I felt so you have no idea how guilty I felt. Yeah, you should. So I get into Charleston, right. Yeah. And I have to yeah. go leave the airport to get my bag. Cause I have a check bag and to come <laughs> and then recheck it, go back through security. This, do is all that not, stuff. this is ridiculous. This is the best part. This is the best part. I'm standing in front of the kiosk, checking in my bag and I'm looking at all the arrivals and departures. And I'm just curious, I look at the Houston arrivals and departures, the two American Airlines flights, the one that left before me and the one that left after me were both either they were uh, either one was delayed and one was canceled. So if I had gone on that flight, I would not be at the conference. All right. So now you. my wickedness paid off. (laughs) No, I do that because now I'm platinum, baby. No, I know. I'm, hey, I'm not going to judge you because we, you know, I took Sam to Rome in October because of, because of, you're the one who told me. Yeah. Way back when I was speaking, Do it. dude, you got it. You got to just choose one airline. Yeah. And you know who told me that? You get the miles. Who? Jackie Angel. Oh. Jackie Francois. Oh, Angel. really? She oh, sat really? me down. She goes, Gormley, every way you're doing ministry is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Yes, ma'am. I'm so sorry. She's like, you have to do this, this, and this. He goes, at the very least, just pick an airline. And she goes, you should pick United because Houston's the hub. I said, well, why? What if it's cheaper on other airlines and I can do it cheaper for the pair? She said, yes, yes. Individually, maybe the United ticket's more expensive than, say, a Southwest or a Spirit or whatever. She said, but here's the deal. If you actually get status on the airlines, and then one day, your flight, your connecting flight, your this, your that, the weather, the plane goes down. Yeah. Not plane goes down, but the mechanical stuff. Doors rip off the side. All right, whatever it is. She said, if you have status, they work for you. Yeah. Right? They the airline will try to figure it out. So I hit gold status when I was up in Canada for Franciscan. Flying back, my flight had mechanical failure. And I didn't leave until the next flight had already left. 
By the time I land in Canada, this is a huge crisis in July, 30 out of 34 flights were canceled or delayed hours and hours and hours. All of these people lost their flights. While I was in the air, Amer uh, United figured out all my new travel schedule. Yeah. And I landed, I already had a ticket to Montreal and then Montreal to Houston the next day. My buddy who didn't have status had to fly to Edmonton, <laughs> stay there for three days and then get a flight to go home to, uh, I think it was Boston. And I was like, oh, this just paid for it. This just paid for itself. That, it's amazing. That story, the I mean, it just, it reminds me of when Paul appealed to his Roman citizenship and said, take me to Rome. That's, <laughs> that he was on that that jail ship and he was taken you know, to Rome. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's basically what it rivals. So. Yes. Yeah. So I am basically the St. <laughs> Paul of our time. Listen, listen, I know there are some superlative apostles who are reputed to be pillars. What they are, I know not. <laughs> I've been reading a lot of Galatians lately. Yeah. Uh, so, Dave, what are you up I to ministerially, Lily? Exercising yeah, demons, uh, collecting relics. Stop. Uh, fighting, no. fighting the armies of the undead. What is it? No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> no, not not any of those things. I'm doing a lot of speaking right now, actually. I'm, I'm really? very booked. So... Almost every single night of October was booked, and um, locally, and or it's are you been, hopping on planes. And it no, mostly locally, but that's going to run out. You know, like it's a. Uh, I, I looked at a. There was. I was thinking about this the other day because I have been thinking about one of the gifts that I feel like I have, and I don't really have any gifts, so this is like important to me. This is like a rugged good looks. Is um, I think I can. I'm really good at spotting like up and coming speakers, mm. like people who should share their story, you know, yeah. and like I'm good at spotting those. And so I was like, I for years I've been thinking, like, how can I support that? Like, maybe I could start something in Pittsburgh to like support young, not young, but new speakers. Okay. Yeah. And then, like, at Advent, I had spoken at a parish and I was like, I had to have spoken at this parish six times this year. <laughs> so I looked at the calendar and sure enough, I had spoken at this parish six times this year. And then I looked at other parishes and there were other parishes where that, that was the most, but like four or five times. And I was like, this is crazy. Like there has to be someone else that people can book locally. So I think I might move forward with that, but yeah, I've been just super busy locally and, Oh, I do have news for you that I'm really excited about. Ooh, let's hear it. You know something that I've wanted to do for years? I'm sure I've talked about it on the show before. Is Warrior Week. Remember oh, yeah. I talked to you about this? <laughs> it's finally happening, man. It's okay. going to happen. What is Warrior Week for those who are new to the okay. show? Warrior Week is like vacation Bible school mixed with Brazilian jiu-jitsu, <laughs> CrossFit, <laughs> boxing. It, and it's it's going to be about like you know bestowing masculinity on on you know each other. It's for boys going into seventh grade up through high school, and I pitched it to my kids' school because they have a bunch of summer camps. And it was funny because I was thinking like, if they say yes to this, I'll probably have to meet with like their insurance person yeah. and a lawyer. Yeah. I sent it at like 1130 at night. And by 430, when I woke up the next morning, there was an email saying, yeah, we'd love to do that. Let's book it. This sounds awesome. So so it's happening. But wow. Warrior Week, finally. I'm so excited. I can't wow. wait. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Kids, we will teach you how to turn the other cheek while you're breaking <laughs> both of theirs. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, man. I yeah. remember one time I wrestled my wrestling coach and he was a, 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 a cheat. He was a, my PE coach and he was a pro, he was a state wrestler, right? Yeah. 
and in his heyday. And he, he was known for fighting dirty and he thought fighting dirty was the greatest thing on the face of the earth. Yeah. Right. So he encouraged it. So he has me in this hole and it hurt like crazy. And yeah. I just thought I only have one move. And with my half free left hand, I reached up and I grabbed the only hair long his hair? enough. Oh the my only gosh. hair long enough. He had a flat top and he had a fingers amount on the front of his head. And I grabbed and jerked it back as hard as I could. Yeah. And I blacked out. I was in so much pain. He oh folded gosh. me into a pretzel. I think my liver was in my left ear. I mean, I did hurt him, <laughs> but, but holy moly, he, he got, he was beat red. And then was that in Oklahoma? Yeah, I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, he is no longer there at that final. I'll check on flights. Tell me his name. <laughs> I, have, I, have mile, I have miles. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, yeah. He, uh, he's no longer there, but, uh, and, and since my, the school that I used to go to the Catholic high school has, it's just incredible. Now the things I hear Bishop Kelly Catholic high school, but he, I, he, he's like, I was in so much pain what yeah. he did to me. And he just left me on the floor and they, in the class ended. It was at the end of class. And then afterwards I get up and I'm like, Oh my God. I was like lightheaded. I still to this day don't know what he did. And then I walked by him and I was going to apologize. And he goes, that was awesome. Have a good day. <laughs> that was awesome. Have a good day. All right. Yeah. All right. No hard yeah. feelings, bro. <laughs> it would just be like a doorbell. And I'd be like, I represent a podcast called Every Knee Shall Bow. You might remember Michael Gormley <laughs> from that. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> he, had the, he was um, the biggest redneck who had the silliest country accent. Yeah. Come get this is what he said. I go, I go, oh, he goes, any of y'all gonna wrestle me? And I go, Yeah, I'll wrestle you. And I remember he looked at me and he goes, Come get you some. That was his <laughs> That is come awesome. get you some. And it I was love Armageddon. It. it was Armageddon. I love that. Cool. Hey, so I I I would say that of all the seasons we've done, this is the one, this is the one I'm most excited for because I feel like even though I didn't even know what the word was when I began church work, that this has been I feel like this is my calling, right? Is to is to do this. And what we're going to talk about this season is is mystagogia. And that that is for those of you who were like me, ignorant of that, it is it, it, within the process of Christian initiation, it is the final step where you are initiated in the mysteries. So we're calling mm. this season into the mysteries. So it happens after the vigil. And it was an ancient practice of the church and brought back by Vatican II. And it is so unbelievably needed. So I am just like like on the moon about this topic. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be an awesome season. Yeah. So what made you, what what drove you to this? Because it was funny, every, yeah. before we record, we try to get together and brainstorm a bunch of ideas. And we didn't this time. This time there was like, you were just like, I right. want to do it on Mr. Goji. And yeah. you're like, oh, okay, I'm down. I'm down for that. Well, yeah. what, what is it that, why now? Like why, why? Yeah. Well, I think, okay, there was a conversation that happened where, mm. um, with I, I, so, so I have a new priest here who's like at the local parish at my uh-huh. house and it's been very fruitful. He's, uh, he's just like an, a very interesting thinker. And so he comes over for a lot of conversations and he was just saying like, you know, no one feels like they're being fed and some of them are very actively Catholic, right? No one yeah. feels like they're being fed. And it is like, it's a longing of my heart to like help those kind of people that feel like I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do. Why do I not feel the way I should? Why do I not feel converted? Why do I not feel the, the presence of the Holy Spirit? Why do I not feel the change that, that should be happening inside of me? Why is it not there? 
Yeah. And I think a lot of that is is we don't we we end, we plateau as far as Christian learning for the most part. Yeah. Uh some people might might take up some books like during Lent or there might be some series that our parishes are putting on, but for the most part we learn what we learn about the sacraments by eighth grade, and that's it. And and it and it's over. That's like our understanding for the rest of our life. And the sacraments are meant to be an eternal mystery. And that was the other thing is that I had that conversation that one time I talked to you about with Father Thomas Winandy, who is probably arguably the greatest English speaking theologian alive. Okay, I would I would say at least most accomplished for sure. And. He said he he thinks it's fun. He was like kind of making a like kind of facetious. He was like saying, I think it's funny when people say, Well, finally we'll understand in heaven. And he's like, Christianity is a mystery, right? Like you better get comfortable with mystery if you are a Catholic, right? Because yeah. that's what eternity is, is a continual dr- being drawn into the mystery, the triune mystery, right? And it starts here, right? That we are drawn into these mysteries. And and basically what mystagogia is, is is it's a revelation of what is behind the signs of our sacraments and how do we enter and how do we bring those into our daily lives? How do we avail ourselves more deeply of the mystery that is revealed? That is what like kind of like lights a flame for me because I think so badly we 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 desperately need this. Yeah. And so what I want to do is just take this moment. And and again, I could not agree more with you. This is an essential component of Catholic life that is systematically ignored, right? which is right. the contemplative mystery of God. When we say to contemplate, we don't mean to know every nook and cranny. We mean a posture right. of receptivity wherein right. God mystically informs us of himself. So the other day I was listening to Trent Horn, I believe, debate a uh, a former Christian on the idea of heaven. The guy hates the idea of heaven and hell and all this stuff. Really? Okay. Because he said it's 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 impossible. Heaven is impossible. Okay. You're going to get bored. It's going to be stupid okay. if it's real. Okay. And he kept saying this. He kept saying to Trent Horn, "You don't know what infinity means. Like you saying this is going to go on eternally." You have infinite time with God. You don't know what that means. No matter what activity, however joyful, if you're a human, it will grow old. That is the nature of humanity. And he said, and if you tell me I'm going to become a different creature, essentially, then maybe it'll work. But then that doesn't sound like the gospel. And so it was this bizarre interaction. And the whole time I was thinking, you don't know. What eternity eternity is and what infinity means, because we're talking about God. We're talking about the infinite and eternal one. And even if we are a glorified, supernaturalized, spiritualized, bodied creature, we're still a creature. There's still finitude to us. And finitude compared to infinitude is not just more finitude. Right. It's a categorically different, qualitatively different thing. And to be connected to infinitude that is goodness, that is life, that is holiness, that is what will never end. So for us, the mystery, and this is the thing that I I wanted to start off by saying what we're not going to talk about. What we don't mean by mystery is a puzzle to be solved. You hear this in a lot of catechism classes. At Franciscan, this is one of, in our catechetics program, one of the the points that um, Dr. Ron Bolster would hammer home. He'd be like, mystery does not mean a riddle or puzzle waiting to be solved. 
in, in the Greek word mysterion, where we just take that right into the English, um, clearly, well, through the Latin mysterium, but uh, clearly that's, that, it can be that, right? Right. But the biblical, and in and, and some parts of the Bible, it does mean that, like this mystery, it means literally something that is hidden, a hidden thing, right. a secret thing. But ultimately, it means that which is beyond our creaturely capacities, right? Not antithetical, but beyond. So it's super, not anti, right? So faith right. is super rational. It's not anti-rational. So when someone says, a bad catechist says, someone says, why do bad things happen to good people? And they say, well, it's just a mystery, right? What they right. mean is, I don't know. It's and a I'm problem not, to be yeah, solved. Right. It's a problem to right. be solved, but you can go figure it out. But what we mean by mystery, it is this belongs to the infinite, hidden counsel of God within himself. This is the right. inner life of the Trinity. And the reason why it's a mysterion is because it is beyond us. And so what we are doing as creatures is we are growing in our capacities to receive right. God in his fullness. We will never reach that fullness, but we will always, because he's infinite and eternal, always be uh, enraptured by it in heaven. Right. That philosopher Marcel says that life, life is not a problem to be solved. It's a mystery to be lived or something mm -hmm. like that. I think mm -hmm. that's kind of the, the key to that. There's this quote from Pope Benedict that kind of like it hits at the heart of what the goal of the season. Oh, well, the goal of Mystagogia, not the goal of the season at all. Mystagogia is a lifelong process. It is also, we as we'll talk about, a process within the rite of Christian initiation. So, so it does end at some point for that part. But uh, he says in one of his documents on the Eucharist, he says, the mature fruit of mystagogy is an awareness that one's life is being progressively transformed by the holy mysteries being celebrated. So there's a direct link to the sacraments there and that it's a direct link from, from the sacraments to metanoia, to true metanoia, right? That it's not just a knowledge thing. This is more than that, right? We are going from head to heart here. And looking beyond those signs, those incarnational signs, uh, which we talked so much about in that one season when we did Faith in the Sacraments, yeah. that we're going here beyond those to see what is the deeper meaning, the deeper grace behind the fact that we we worship a God who reveals himself as, as the body bloods you know, in the Eucharist, right? What is behind that? It's, this is going to be awesome because it will be, in my opinion, the most fruitful of all our seasons as far as like making saints, right? Because yeah. this is the beginning of making saints. I think today another component of why we are lost in this and why this has kind of become marginalized. Now, this is going to be controversial. So let me kind of wade into this. Okay. After Vatican II, in, at Vatican II in the document on the liturgy, Sacrosanctum Concilium, it talks about the active participation of the laity in the Mass. Now, this right. has always been, even in the traditional Latin Mass, always been a part of the church's teaching that the lay offer, the laity offer their sacrifices in and prayers in union with the priestly ministry, right? The ecclesial ministry as the priest offers Christ crucified to the Father. So, but the Vatican, the Council Fathers wanted to drive this point home more in the liturgy. So what they did was they ask for things like the preface dialogue where people go back and forth. There's a little right. more involvement of the laity. But then shortly after Vatican II, again, you have these wonderful sound principles that then get kind of distorted in the name of Vatican II. And active participation meant let's give as many lay people roles Jobs, in the mass as right. possible. And right. that's horrible. And I was just talking with someone about teenage catechesis. And this guy's like, I'm struggling with this. I hate 
having a youth mass. And I said, well, why do you hate having a youth mass? He goes, because I have, I have faithful families that now they have to split up in order for their kid to go to the mass. And then he said, and my problem is I'm, we're not training people on how to go to mass. We're training kids on how to do parts in the mass. Exactly. And I was like, right, see, that's the problem. Because not everyone can have a part and you have those school masses where every kid gets an intention for the prayers right. of the faithful and you have eight kids. Those, that's all dumb. That's all dumb. But because we don't teach Vatican II's active participation and because we think it means having a role, they lose sight of the point of the liturgy. Now, let me just pull this straight from the catechism. Okay, so part two of the catechism is called the celebration of the Christian Mysteries. mystery. So article one is why the liturgy. Article two is what does the liturgy mean? And then three is liturgy as source of life for prayer and liturgy, meaning your personal prayer, and then catechesis and liturgy. And this is where in paragraph 1075, it says liturgical catechesis aims to initiate people into the mystery of Christ. It is mystagogy by proceeding from the visible to the invisible, from the sign to the thing signified, from the sacraments to the mysteries. Such catechesis is to be presented by local catechisms and blah, blah, blah. And so the whole idea is for us to take what is common and fundamental to the whole church in the mystery as or in the in the liturgy as mystery and a celebration to immerse ourselves into the hidden life of God. Right. And so that's the framework because we don't really because the liturgy has looked a lot like us than like what, you know, the, the church asks sometimes in certain places. Well, I don't need to contemplate the mystery of me. Yeah. Right. So that's why mystagogia can often take a backseat in a, in a realm of activism takes a backseat. Yeah. The, the most famous mystagogy in church history is from St. Cyril. And he at one point, and it, it might even be the first, like the first like official title, preaches a series of sermons from Lent to the Easter octave about mystagogia and and he basically there's this one line that I I like when Gomer was talking I kept thinking about where he's talking about coming into this liturgy and searching out what it means and what we're doing the work of the liturgy and he says and do you think that while you are searching out what is going on God is not searching your heart right like that that's that's like what we're talking about here is that we're going to wrestle like that's what we want to do is wrestle with the mysteries that we know God is present in in a, in a particular way, right? That his presence is the most profoundly found in the sacraments, and that's what we want to do. I, I want to like also talk a little bit, Gomer, and maybe you have another thought, but about kind of the, the crisis of mystagogy right now, right? Like, I mean, how it plays out in parishes at, at right now, because it's not good, right? right. Like, uh, like mystagogy is kind of a joke. To most yeah. places. You know? So it's funny that you you bring this up. Um, I am at a conference, a convocation with priests, and I just I'm talking about I'm trying to frame youth ministry within the nature of evangelization and discipleship. And I quoted that line that comes from Catechesi Tridende from JP2. And it's quoted in paragraph four of the catechism. So I just brought it up real quick. Quite early on, the name catechesis was given to the totality of the church's efforts to make disciples, to help men believe that Jesus is the son of God so that believing they have may have life in his name and to educate and instruct them in this life and thus building up the body of Christ. So when we say in this life, we mean in the life of Christ, right? Not in my life where Jesus is an important part, but how do I live mystically enter into the mystery of Christ's life within me? And so I said this to the fathers that were gathered there. And I said, if you think about discipleship, 
is, uh, and all the things that belong to discipleship was called catechesis, which means to re-echo or resound. The church fathers did this individually. Like these are bishops. These are apostolic successors. Right. And I said, and a lot of the writings that we have at this time period is from their catechetical lectures to neophytes, to people becoming Catholic. Right. And then after they become Catholic. And I said, just think about how, this is how involved they are. And now compare that to how you do it. Right. And I said, right. What, what, what do we do during Lent? What are those rites of RCIA called during Lent? Do you remember Dave? There's three of them. That we do the third, fourth, and fifth right Sunday. Of, what the right of election, the right of introduction. It's before uh, the for the election, it's called the scrutinies. Oh yeah. Do you know yeah. how they did the scrutinies back then? To, now we pray a three minute prayer. Back then they would bring all your neighbors and your oh, yeah, family and your relatives, yeah. and he would right. ask them all, "Is this man living a Christian life? Is he an adulterer? Is he a does he defraud his neighbor? Right. All this stuff." And the priests that were there that didn't know that they were like, "What?" And I was like, "Can yeah. you?" I said, and the only reason why they would do that is because they're invested their entire lives into these people. That's what it means to make disciples. And so um, for those of you who want to look at the catechetical lectures, Cyril, C-Y-R-I-L, it's Cyril of Jerusalem. His catechetical lectures are all online for free at newadvent.org. If you just type in St. Cyril of Jerusalem catechetical, it'll give you the link to it. And uh, there's 23, there's a prologue and then 23 of them, and they are incredible. He he gives this introduction to to his sermons that is brutal. I mean, he basically it like well, I guess it's more brutal for me as I'm reading this because I'm thinking in my head, like we are we're initiating people that they obviously were not initiating back then. Like like the fact that like you talk to a lot of average parishes and they're like, well, we do miss the Goji, but pretty much no one comes back for it. Right. Right. Like this is not going to happen in the early church. Right. Because baptism and, and don't forget, like a lot of times baptism like led right to martyrdom. Right. So it was very serious Christians like at this yeah. time, or, or at least, you know, some kind of serious like, you know, problem there. And no one was These marrying people. because their mother-in-law was pressuring them. Exactly. Right. <laughs> or no, excuse right. Me, no one was becoming Catholic because their mother-in-law was pressuring them. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. And so so you have to realize like this is a much more serious caliber of Christian. And and it's clear to me, he's saying in this introduction, like, look, that that's who you are. Do not reproach this. Do not approach these mysteries lightly because it is dangerous for you. It is bad, right? And he uses the example of Simon Magus, right? Who the church fathers use basically as the figure of the Antichrist, oftentimes, like, right? They they're constantly using Simon Magus as the the I don't know the 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 example of what it, of the opposite of Christianity. And he talks about how he was baptized, but he obviously did not die with Christ, right? Because he did not come to this to to know him. And in in this introduction, he basically is just saying to to he's warning everyone like if you're going to continue on to this, if you're going to learn these mysteries, I'm going to guide you through them. This is this is serious. This is not something to take lightly. And even to have give several warnings about like God knows the state of your heart, so be careful before you approach. Right, almost like a Eucharistic type uh, type warning there. Yeah. So people who don't know about Simon Magus, this is the one of the reasons Simon which is from the heresy of simony, which is where you pay money for apostolic offices, right? He, he wanted to give Peter money in order to um, get the ability By to give people the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. and so um, the, the tradition that happens is in the Orthodox Church Fathers, Irenaeus, Justin Martyr, etc., they talk about him as the founder of Gnosticism, 
And most modern scholars don't really accept that. Gnosticism was kind of, you know, has its origins of Plato and other things. But um, he is, (laughs) the Gnostics who were Samaritans, right? So this is Holy Land area by the second century. And Justin, Justin Martyr, who was a second century native of Samaria, he says that they all trace it back to Simon of uh, Giza. And that's why they they hold that that they were known as Simonians, uh, yeah. uh, Simon followers. And so that's why this thing happens. Like the, these the church fathers often hold this this guy up. And that's like I, when I, I didn't realize that until you said that. I was like, what? that's why he's always the villain, because they fought the Gnostics to the nail. And he's kind yeah, of I mean, as, depending. All, but yeah. also depending. And we're getting super nerdy here. But <laughs> depending on um, just nerdy enough, how much you ex- you expect you, you expect from these historical papal bulls, there were some major major conflicts between Simon and Peter and Paul before the end of their life too in Rome. Like Ooh. Simon became a kind of a, a friend of the emperor. It was, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting. There's some cool stories. I mean, I think like most modern like scholars would be like, Oh, come on. That's just like a church legend. But you know, I'm, I'm not one of those. So in a world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. So right. mystagogy is about understanding the mysteries hidden in Christ Jesus given to us. The what the sacramental life is meant to communicate. So yeah. what 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 do you propose to do for our audience? Yeah. So yeah. so it's, it's so what Gomer said is true. I would add to it that when you read any of the fathers' mystagogy, it's clear like what the sacraments are supposed to do for us, but also how they're supposed to envelop our whole life, right? So like our entire life should be at the service of entering into these mysteries. Okay, and and you'll see this sometimes in like some modern devotionals to yeah. well not modern but like i think of like the book like spiritual combat by dom lorenzo scapoli right he talks about how like when do you start preparing for sunday mass will you prepare your entire week for sunday mass right yeah. like that that would be an example of what we're going to talk about so my hope would be twofold the first is to give catechists an understanding of what a real authentic mystagogy would be right i want to talk about the crisis of mystagogia like the problems that are happening right now i want to do that but I also would like to offer an actual mystagogy, right? Like <laughs> almost like, I mean, I hate to simplify it because I hate when people do this, like package things so perfectly because that's not Catholicism. But like a, imagine like a, a catechist being able to say, hey, you're initiated. We're going to offer mystagogy classes for the next several weeks and you can come. If you can't make those in 20 minutes on your car ride, you can listen to this podcast and get your at your mystagogia out of that, right? Like get the the beginning of your mystagogia period out of that. So that's my hope is to kind of have both of those provided this season. Yeah. And and just to connect you with this stuff, when you read that first part on uh part two, celebration of the Christian mystery about liturgy, this is what it says right before it it talks about mystagogy. In paragraph 1074, it says. The liturgy is the summit toward which the activity of the church is directed. It is also the font from which all her power flows. Right. This is from it's quoting Sacrosanctum Concilium, the document on the liturgy of Second Vatican II, paragraph 10. And this is the important thing. It is a privileged place for catechizing the people of God. Catechesis is meant to inform the whole liturgical and sacramental activity because it's how Jesus, and this is a direct quote, especially in the Eucharist, that Christ Jesus works in fullness for the transformation of men. 
Right. So if we're talking about like, I'm just not feeling, I don't understand why, you know, I'm doing all the things, I'm crossing all the lists, but I don't understand uh, checking all the boxes. I don't understand why I don't feel converted or whatever it might mean. It's like, okay, okay, good. You've built a foundation. You've built steady habits in your moral life, in your personal devotional life. But now you have, but you have tasted and seen elements, but now you're dissatisfied because the Lord wants to give you a deeper hunger. And that right. deeper hunger is not just for a worthy reception of the Eucharist, right? That deeper hunger is not for valid baptism and good baptismal catechesis. That deeper hunger is, I want the divine life within me, right? Okay. And it's not enough, right? It's not enough. Halfway houses, the visible signs are good, but they're not enough. They want to communicate the fullness of that divine life so that God can be all in all. And that's what mystagogia is meant to do. And I love that you said this, Dave, because... Uh, just the other day, um, I was teaching my high school CCD class and we had to get the, the guy who does middle school got sick. And so they had to put the middle schoolers with the high schoolers and we're doing creed and they're doing mass. And I was like, okay, well, how can I do something that kind of bridge the gap? So we just watched a few good men. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, <laughs> it was great. It was rated R. I shouldn't have done it. Um, <laughs> but no, we, uh, we, we. <laughs> Uh, we talked about, I said, okay, how would you rate your personal prayer life? One being, two being, meh, and three being, yeah. And they were all yeah. like, yeah, ones and twos. One person said a three. And I was like, awesome. These are high schoolers and middle schoolers at a very small, um, ordinary parish. And I said, awesome. Okay, so within this, you you can acknowledge we have room to grow. And so I talked about um, one of the, I talked about the penitential act that we read during the ordinary of mass, which is part of the Anglican tradition. And it's pretty brutal. It's, it's about the wrath of God and the justice right. of God and all this stuff and, and the begging for mercy and the mercy of Jesus Christ and the love of Christ. And I talked about, I was like, how do we weigh this? How do we come to the liturgy before we receive the Eucharist? I said, and it's asking us to be repentant before the justice of God, before the judgment seat of God. And I said, but the judgment seat of God is also the cross. So yes, he's our just judge. He's also the merciful savior. And it's the same thing. His judgment seat and his cross of love is, is the cross. It's all the cross. Right. So if you reject that love and mercy, then all you have is the cross for all eternity. If you receive his cross and mercy for you, then you have heaven for all eternity. Right. And then I took him to the prayer bef- that, that you say in the, in the, in the church for, before making an examination of conscience. Because it's not just about the liturgy. It's about bringing the point of the liturgy throughout our whole life. Right. And I slowly read through this. It's this beautiful one-paragraph prayer. Uh, it's in the St. Gregory prayer book. It's an excellent prayer book. And I just read it and I said, do, do you hear the tone? We're, 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 we're aligning ourselves to the mercy of Christ, which is greater than any one of our individual sins could ever be. And when you start to lay that out like that, like God's grace is infinitely bigger than my failure, all of a sudden it becomes a transformative thing. Beforehand, it was a prayer that they said quickly before they went to confession. But now it's like, no, 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 no. Let's slow it down and let's right. draw ourselves into mystery. We don't just want the words. We want the meaning behind the words. We don't just want the visible signs. We want the hidden graces to be imparted. And that's what we want to do. Yeah, that's what we want to do. This season is going to be going into the mysteries and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be eternal stakes, as I would like to say, you know, this season. Hey, we're going to run out for a commercial break here. Um, You're going to hear something from our friends at Ascension Press, and we'll be back in just a minute. As always, we want to hear from you. Email us at eksb at ascensionpress.com. 
Hi, I'm Jeff Cavins, and I'm excited to introduce you to the Ascension app. It contains the full text of the Great Adventure Bible, the full text of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and both the Bible and Catechism in a Year podcast. The app has special features that make the connections between the Bible and the Catechism crystal clear, like color-coded crosslinks and easy navigation. It also answers nearly 1,000 questions from Bible in a Year listeners about the Bible with videos from myself and others, also audio clips and excerpts from Ascension's popular books. To download the app, simply go to the App Store on your phone and search Ascension. I hope you enjoy it. I enjoy it. Carry it around everywhere I go. And we're back to Every Knee Shall Bow, starting our new season on Mystagogia, uh, Into the Mysteries is what we're calling it, which is cool and mysterious. Right? Oh, it is mysterious. Whenever me <laughs> and Luke were coming up with a name for Catching Foxes and uh, we were talking about it, he goes, I want it to be cool, like a cool name. And I was like, right, it has to be artsy. And he goes, what do you mean by artsy? And I said, well, it has to sound like it's deep. But be just as vague to to kind of sort of be like, a, what is it Christian? What is I don't get right, it. Right. Catching foxes. Oh, yeah, okay. What so does that mean? I don't know. Yeah, I know. It was so annoying when you guys first named it. Stop. It was beautiful. I, I contemplated it for so long. <laughs> you All entered right, in uh, the mystery of Catching Foxes. Yeah, I, I hope you'll join us for this season. It's going to be awesome. But we want to give you a quick practical takeaway, Gomer. What do we what do we want them to do? Here? Yeah, so this is very simple, right? We all love Father Mike Schmitz. Maybe you've done catechism in a year. I'm actually going to plug the app, man. I am freaking in love with the Ascension Press app. I am in love I know, it's with so it. Good. It is so good. So you get it for free. The Ascension Press app is for free, and it gives you the Bible, the catechism, the Bible in a year, and the catechism in a year, and a daily reflection. My fat face was on that last Friday, and uh, yeah, it was awesome. You're welcome, America. But uh, you can go since the Bible in a year and catechism in a year are already done. You can skip ahead to specific lessons. And I would say, I want you to read um, the section of the catechism that go right to page one of part two, the celebration of the Christian mystery. And just read those five main articles. Why the liturgy? What does the word liturgy mean? Liturgy is a source of life, prayer and liturgy, catechesis and liturgy. And this is the stuff that gives you like the big picture of the Christian life because it's it, too many Christians keep Christ on Sunday. So understanding that liturgy doesn't just mean these are the rites that we do in mass. It's so much bigger, better, broader than that. And if you want, you could use the Ascension Press app and get Father Mike's wonderful commentary that he does when he intros that part of the catechism. So you just go and hit that, skip right to that section, the opening lines of part two of the catechism. Awesome. We're excited. Pray for us as we move through this season. We'll pray for you. God bless you guys. Peace. Peace.